Okay, hello everybody, and welcome to Open Sources Guelph here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico, and joining me is... Scotty Hertz, and to take a page from the great children's shows of the past, I'd like to wish Adam a very happy birthday! <laughs> Even though it's a little belated, but, you know. Well, it's it's fine. It's still you gotta let the world know these things. Do you? <laughs> Yes, I do. I mean, I wasn't giving out chicken sandwiches, you know, because it was my birthday. <laughs> like some like some people who were born on October 24th. Giving out Harvey uh, coupons. Oh, so you and Drake have the same birthday, eh? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, um, unfortunately, because I, I'm not rich, uh, I, can't, <laughs> I can't buy people's love with fast food. Um, I'm not sure that I'd want to, even if I was, uh, because if I were rich, I wouldn't care about other people's feelings. Um, so that was my birthday wish. That was what I wished when I blew out the, the relatively small amount of candles on my cake earlier this week. For a chicken sandwich? <laughs> no, to, to, to be rich so I don't have to care about oh, the right. feelings. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. Moving on. Um, open Sources <laughs> <laughs> is CFRU's political current affairs discussion show, and you can find us here every Thursday at 5 p.m. as we talk about the latest news items from Guelph, Ontario, Canada. And around the world, and we sometimes interview local newsmakers and politicians. This week, though, we're just doing the news, including Queen's Park. It's been a very busy week at the legislature, and it's been so busy that we can't really do a proper introduction. So we're just going to uh, tease you uh, and come back in about 15 minutes if you if that's what you're concerned about this week. Um, and then in, in the bottom half of the hour, Saskatchewan used the notwithstanding clause to make sure kids aren't going to school using dangerous new pronouns. Uh, why is a good question. We'll try and answer. And then finally, could a conservative win in Guelph in the next federal election? 338 Canada thinks so, but do we? Uh, but first, we have to go back to Gaza because uh, conditions there uh, have not gotten better. They could arguably, could be arguably said, actually, maybe not so arguably said, that they've gotten worse. Um, bombardment has continued uh in gaza strip the ground invasion fortunately has not been started we have heard constant rumblings that uh it is pending it seems that uh it is sort of like a worldwide effort to try and make sure that happens later rather than sooner in the meantime uh every effort is being made to encourage a ceasefire or at the very least encourage a pause so that a humanitarian uh, corridor can be opened up. Supplies in Gaza are reaching dangerously low levels. In the meantime, Hamas is, has released a handful, and by that, I mean, you can literally count them on one hand, a uh, number of hostages, uh, but still have about 220 somewhere in Gaza, likely in one of or several of the uh, allegedly miles of hundreds of miles of tunnels uh, that are under Gaza. Some intelligence sources say there's maybe about 300 miles of tunnels under Gaza. Remember that Gaza itself is about two and a half miles long. Um, one of the hostages that was released, an 85-year-old grandmother, uh, described being thrown on the back of a motorcycle, taken to one of these tunnels, essentially being forced around for the last several weeks, um, which, which seems to uh, confirm that part of it anyway. Uh, meanwhile, intelligence uh, sources uh, investigating how Hamas was able to execute the original attack on October 7th. Uh, seems they did it the old-fashioned way, installing telephone lines and uh, mm. in-person meetings 
So uh, the intelligence sources, uh, this is a CNN story. See a couple of CNN reporters broke this. Apparently uh, the attack was two years in the making, which uh, sort of makes this an even grander intelligence failure since Hamas apparently did this using telephones and uh, landlines. And, and by telephones, I do mean landlines, not uh, burner phones, as you might see on, on uh, one of those crime shows. They they, they had wires and stuff. So um, I guess it's good news that there's been no ground invasion. But I mean, it's still bad news that there's kind of like no end in sight to any of this. Oh, and it's brewing up for sure. Israel's promised, as they said, unrelenting attacks, mm-hmm. presumably to dismantle Ham- Hamas. But uh, it would seem if you're in an apartment or a ho- home or whatever that's beside a potential Hamas site that the Israelis are bombing currently, mm. uh, it doesn't seem to matter whether you go. Now, the the coverage is swinging a little bit on Wednesday watching the national news it was pretty clear that there's there's anguish going on in gaza right now to the point mm-hmm. where they have to they have to cover it mm-hmm. and just quickly i need to mention in this discussion the the views expressed are ours and don't reflect the views of cfru or the u of g mm-hmm. i just wanted to make that clear i should have said that off the top mm-hmm. so yeah so before i get sarah jamad out of here let me stress <laughs> that you know, Hamas are definitely ISIS-level gangsters, for sure, and they've earned—they have earned a pounding that they're getting. But the language around this is getting such that Israel on Wednesday had announced that they wanted Antonio Guterres of the UN to step down mm-hmm. due to his comments about the pounding of Gaza, even though he mentioned Hamas several times. And not and in I a flattering he, way. <laughs> yeah. And he, he oh, yeah, well, he's not pro at all. But then he came back and said something to the effect of, that's ridiculous, ridiculous that you're asking me to do this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that's where the dialogue is going. And we I guess we're going to get into it a little bit later. But it's, you know, it's seems to be difficult for people to say anything without a pounce from somewhere. Right. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the evidence is obvious that it's they're they're pushing what six thousand dead possibly more in gaza mm-hmm. several thousand more somewhere in the range of 15 to sixteen thousand injured that toll is rising i heard in one day i think it was last tuesday with 700 people mm-hmm. so when the dialogue about the discussions about ceasefire come up they're not saying ceasefire the pause is code for ceasefire, and they seem reluctant to even say the word ceasefire. Mm-hmm. Like, why call it a pause? A yeah. ceasefire is a ceasefire. Are they assuming you know people? You know, in conflict, people agree to these things all the time. So the la- language is important, right? Mm-hmm. So important. That's why I had to put a disclaimer in front of our bit. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, it, it's getting to that point. So, and then there's this. The, the looming ground invasion mm-hmm. and again the dynamic the dynamic will change once again yeah one of the things I, I i heard somebody point out in one of the many podcasts or youtube videos i've been watching the last week is somebody pointed out you know uh the, the 1400 people in israel who died they, they were the ones who you know most of them died on 
October the 7th, pretty much all the casualties, not all the casualties, but many of the casualties since then have been on the Gaza side, on the Hamas side. So that sort of has skewed um, the perceptions a bit. And and perhaps along with that, it's sort of skewed um, the sentiment as well that, you know, perhaps people in Israel feel like, um, you know, the more, the more of the pities on, on the Palestinian side than it is on uh, the Israeli side, considering this whole thing started with a devastating terrorist attack on Israel. And, uh, you know, I, I use those words pointedly to make sure that we don't get sort of buried in this kind of language war, as you were saying. Um, I mean, any ground invasion is going to be tricky. And I think that's probably one of the other reasons, just like logistically. And um, somebody pointed out, um, I think it was on Pod Save the World, or maybe it was on another podcast I was listening to, uh, Lloyd Austin's connection to this, Lloyd Austin being the United States Secretary of Defense, he was in charge of Central Command in Iraq when they were sort of routing ISIS uh, in 2016-2017. He was sort of overseeing that fight. Of course, ISIS uh, was um, heavily entrenched in Mosul and other places, um, and they had entrenched themselves in about two years. And um, this person was pointing out like the incredible difficulty that the u.s army had in flushing isis out of these places um and it was because they like i said they had two years to be entrenched you got to think about it this way in gaza hamas has had 15 years to get entrenched and again uh, intelligence people are telling you know national security reporters at, at cnn that this was a two-year planning operation um so you got to think uh I mean, Hamas wasn't of the opinion that they were going to go into Israel, kill a bunch of people, and you know nothing was going to happen. They knew that there would be uh, an equally um, brutal response from Israel after this. So they, I mean, yes, they prepared a massive operation to strike at the Israelis, but you also have to figure they prepared for an equally massive counteroffensive and they are there entrenched and that if you know you there, there are a lot of israeli politicians and generals who are saying some not great things about you know turning gaza into a parking lot uh in some quarters um but that's like easier said than done and i think all parties here know it yeah and when you treat other people as less than human mm-hmm which is what's going on, mm-hmm. on and it, I hate saying this, but it is on both sides. Sure. Like you said, Hamas instigated this knowing full well what the response would be. Yeah. But at the same time, what's what's the number of children dead in Gaza now? It's something like 2,000. Is that enough? Mm-hmm. Like, is, is Israel happy now? Do you feel, it has is vengeance yours? Mm. And the hospital's just running on fumes right now. And when that runs out, the same thing is going to happen. Mm. Babies and incubators mm-hmm. are going to die. What did they do? Just, just because there's, there might be Hamas in the basement or a tunnel running under it. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you destroy them? And this, the whole the exodus of people saying, you know, giving them this short period of time saying head to the South, that won't be a problem. And then the South is, is getting bombed as well. Yeah. Right. So it's like, you're, you're, it's, the ridiculousness can't be overestimated or overstated. I mean, as to, as to their approach to this, right? So it's like, you're just, you're just going to keep pounding them. There's going to be, we know there's going to be a ground invasion. 
uh, looks like Hezbollah and Lebanon are probably going to get involved. So when it opens up to another front, that's going to even, I don't know about double, but just be that much worse because the, the you know, Northern Israel, West Bank, and that area will be drawn in as well. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, somebody, I'm not sure if it was a Hezbollah person, I think it was one of their spokespeople said, and I don't know if they were, they said, they phrased this the way they did just to get a rise out of Israel was Lebanon has a right to defend itself. So, mm. you know, twist of words there, but there's it, once, once that opens up and it probably, it sounds like it will. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's, then it's going to go next level. It's going to move beyond the catastrophe that's happening right now. Yeah, it, I think th- perhaps one of the saving graces here is that I, th- I think the more time that goes by, the easy, the harder it is to sort of justify that that kind of uh, big scale action. And I mean, and it is concerning because there is stuff in the West Bank. There's some like violent clashes in the West Bank that you know the 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 wrong person is going to get killed or maimed at the wrong time, and there's going to be a camera pointed at it, and that whole situation could blow up. Uh, it's it's. It's so tough. I mean, and we'll get to Sarah Jam in a minute, but you know, the sympathy for the Palestinian people because they're getting it from both sides. They're getting it from Israel because they're being used as human shields by Hamas, but they're also getting it from Hamas because Hamas are the ones using them as human shields. And also, like you can't underestimate that Hamas is using it as as and has used it in the past as a, a, a recruiting tool. Oh, hey kid, your family was killed in a uh in in a rocket attack well you know come with us and we'll teach you how to you know get payback for your dead family um it's you know it's it's kind of win-win for hamas in that way but i mean the lose-lose is on the the palestinians the 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 the, the civilians there and and as we were talking about last week uh gaza is 50 percent under 18 so it's not even like adults who fully understand and are actively uh, or or have actively accepted the risk and the danger. They're young people who you know have no choice but to live where they live, and now they're caught in the middle of all this. I mean, and they they were certainly caught in sort of this state of stalemate aggression before this, um, you know, before everything kind of blew up on October seventh. But you know, it's even worse now. I think you know UN has. 613,000 displaced people in Gaza out of like a population of like 2 million. You know, it's, you know, that's one quarter of the population that doesn't have a home anymore to say nothing of, as we've been talking about all the people have been killed and injured and maimed. Um, And it's, you know, it's not, hasn't even been three weeks yet. And no one getting out. So there'll be more casualties in general, but Canadians in particular who are, effectively trapped but don't worry bill blair bill blair said look out hamas we want you eliminated so i don't know what we're well, gonna he, do he send a rowboat the- or something to to get people out I'm, I'm not sure he checked the box so i mean that's something yeah. um i guess that should bring us to uh queen's park on monday sarah Jama, who was uh has been an mpp from hamilton center for six months uh, she replaced Andrew Horvath uh, in that seat when Andrew Horvath ran for mayor of Hamilton and won. Uh, she posted something on social media, which um, 
I'm trying to figure out how to word this because I don't want to put words in her mouth either. But it, it expressed sympathy towards the Palestinian people. It used, also used a word, apartheid, which is a loaded term when we're talking about this conflict, of course. But uh, I guess sensing or, or smelling proverbial blood in the water, the conservatives decided to spend all of last week uh, debating whether or not she should be censured. She was so censured. I think it was 62 to 33 uh, in the legislature and then almost immediately after uh, her censure was approved, uh, she was ejected from the NDP. It seemed to be quite suddenly, although there's been, um, I guess, some added controversy with uh, Jill Andrew, who is uh, also an NDP MPP, uh, saying that uh, she found out about it at the same time and went live about uh, the expulsion of Sarah Jama from the NDP. So I, I've also seen a number of reporters talk to their uh, sources, senior sources in the NDP. And apparently this was not the unilateral uh, unanimous decision that Merritt Stiles wants to portray it as. Um, this is, and, and just to be clear, this is sort of one thing that was happening at Queen's Park this week. We've got to get through a list of it, but let's start mm -hmm. with this one, Scotty. <laughs> Well, and bizarrely, they played the health and safety card. It's like our staff don't feel safe because of mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. Even though NDP and, and Merritt Styles have said similar things, but I guess because they're you know adamant about how terrible Hamas is is more amplified, then that's okay. But let's go back to the to Sarah Jama's election when that happened. I don't know if you remember, and I had to confirm mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. again that Benai Brith <laughs> said. Do not have Sarah Jama as a candidate because of, as you said, her use of the A word, apartheid, mm -hmm. among mm -hmm. other things, mm -hmm. which is automatically equated with certain groups as being anti-Semitic. Now, what's mm -hmm. what's Sarah Jama's uh, credentials? Mm -hmm. Anti-racism activist, yeah. anti-racism action initiative in Hamilton, right? Mm -hmm. Much lauded, positive attention. We love her, can't get enough until they did. <laughs> Right, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the and the the Tories they all smell blood with this, right? Mm -hmm. It's like how uh, how can we? And he just went in for the kill, and and quite rightly, Sarah Jama has is going to possibly file a lawsuit against uh, Doug Ford. It's like re retract this within a week, mm -hmm. calling me all the anti-Semitic and racist and like, which I think it's stuff. I think it's today. That's the deadline. Oh, today today's the deadline. Okay, yeah. so we'll, we'll find out by next show if if not sooner what's going on. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's it's just high order ridiculousness, right? It's it's, and she was an acclaimed candidate too, right? She mm -hmm. she was the chosen one, mm -hmm. and yeah. yet they just cut her loose. It sounded like not uh, not only was he shut out and isn't allowed to say anything in the legislature, all of her contacts, info, anything that was on her, you know, on her computers. Was gone. Yeah. She's essentially starting from scratch. It's an independent MPP. Yeah. Because not, the party um, took away her privileges, which meant all of that stuff that belonged to them is effectively gone. So, and I'm not entirely sure how that works because when you're like an M MLA or MPP, as, as we say in Ontario, like, um, when you email Mike Schreiner, you're not sending it to like Mike Schreiner at Green Party Ontario or GPO.ca. You're, you're sending it to, you know, I think it's, Whatever, whatever the address is, like Mike Schreiner at ola.on.ca. Yeah. So it's, um, I don't know. It's, it, that's a bit weird to me that. Well, she, because they have, yeah. there's accountability, right? It's, it's like yeah. anything that's going on at Queens Park. They need to be able to have access to the emails in case something happens. Yeah. 
So by extension, they could probably filter through all of her stuff if it wasn't deleted mm-hmm. and actually see whether this is the case. And I would say that it isn't, right? That th- this No, is, it's, yeah. It's it, just showmanship to try and make a point, to try and make the NDP look bad. And they're succeeding. And part of it is because of the way the NDP has handled it. It's 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 good just, luck. It, good luck getting a somebody who even like deeks left to run for the NDP in this province ever again. I mean, I mean that, this this is the end of that, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you said that because I, I'll I'll expand. Like, good luck getting anybody to convince <laughs> anybody to run for NDP because like yeah. the, the the first question anyone's going to have asked is like, okay, well, if I say something, if I go off the you know uh, off the cuff, is you know Merritt Styles going to throw me under the bus? Um, it's, it's just, it, it just shows how bad the Ontario NDP is at politics. As I said, she was vetted, right? As if it it was coming out of nowhere, you'd say, you know, this is a known opinion of hers. And by the way, the known opinion is that isn't that she loves Hamas. It is that she supports the Palestinian people as thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions (laughs) of people do because of what they're going through. What we talked about in topic one. Yeah, so, no, but it, I mean, it's not even that. It's just like from a pure optics standpoint. It's like I, I, can't, I was talking to somebody about the whole thing. It's like last week, the Ontario legislature dedicated all of its time in the middle of a housing crisis, affordability crisis, healthcare crisis, mental health and addictions crisis, all of it. Uh, two teachers unions that have voted to strike. They had dedicated a whole week in the legislature to verbally beating up a young black disabled woman for something that she put on twitter a broken social media site that's what that's what the ontario government the government of the largest province in the country spent their entire last week doing and what Merritt styles did um you know i i don't know what she was learning all those years sitting next to andrea horvath but clearly it wasn't that the ndp um or, or the wrong lessons when the ndp tries to tack to the center because I mean that was, was that was Andrea Horvath's strategy for the last four elections, and it clearly didn't work. So it's it's just kind of bizarre to me that like I think it's this is kind of like Merritt Styles' first big test, and it and she completely failed. Um, I, I'll tell you one thing that that you know did at least amuse me coming out of the Sarah Jama uh, controversy is that we got the old Paul Calandra back, <laughs> boy. Boy, has he been like sizzling this week with like the verbal asides. And, you know, today, uh, as we're recording on Wednesday, uh, or maybe it would happen on Tuesday, I can't remember, but he said that, uh, you know, solving the housing crisis is as easy as the NDP phoning 1 800 Jagmeet and telling Jagmeet Singh to stop supporting <laughs> Trudeau and the carbon tax. <laughs> and of course, Colin DeMello calls 1 800 Jagmeet and it's <laughs> it's a sex line. Oh. Wow, I wonder if that was intentional. I don't, I mean, it would be awesome if it was, but it's Paul Calandra. But it's just, it's been like, remember Paul Calandra during the Harper days? Mm. And just like the anything for a buck guy, like I'll I'll say anything for a buck because, you know, I'm the clown distracting the bull. And, you know, it's, it's so great to have Paul Calandra back. Um, but I mean, also Paul Calandra came out on Monday and said, "Hey, hey, municipalities! Remember when we like took a red marker to all your official plans? Just kidding." And so now, like all the planning departments in Ontario, and uh, cities in Ontario, including Guelph's, are now having to um, I, I rewrite or unwrite 
the rewrites. Um, so that's that's more great, you know, planning from the Ontario government that they make big changes and then have now changed back. <laughs> Another flip flop. Fancy that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's <laughs> Mayor Guthrie blew a valve. He's livid. He's living. So are the Guelph Home Builders Association and probably all of the Home Builders Associations across the province mm-hmm. because they had things lined up. And this is my speculative part as to why mm. that they backtracked on this okay. purely opinion. Okay. Was this going to uncover even more impropriety? Not unlike the Greenbelt scandal. I mean, it already did. Apparently, like I, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but there was like a CBC report today that um, the developers in Hamilton had were, were giving feedback about because that was one of the big controversies of the official plan changes that they expanded the boundaries of Hamilton, and apparently that was because of input from the de- from developers. Yeah, and then that wasn't going to change. They when they backtracked on the green belt that the that expansion that you're talking about wasn't going to change, right? Yeah, yeah. big fair, right? More picket fences. Yeah, more like another reset, right? It's just yeah. so uh, how much further can they backtrack they've so removing those two pieces of big ticket legislation they've done nothing mm-hmm. what's what's the new plan there isn't one is well, it the, I, I, is it the fact that we're going to get uh, quads everywhere in town now that which is nothing to do with them really that's being driven by the feds and then I mean, the it's, it's municipalities also been... have to fall in line right it I mean, bypasses it, the Ontario altogether. Well, not altogether, but well, it it a lot of that has been driven by municipalities. Like Guelph was working on um, exclusionary zoning before the the province before Bill twenty three and and everything in there. Like I mean, it was something like a lot of municipalities were taking the initiative on anyway. So, um, I don't know, but <laughs> it just you know they've undone the green belt. They've undone. The, the official plans. All that's left now is 23 and strong mayors. So like <laughs> a, a year of work, we've already undone half of it. So, you know, and, and I mean, this goes along with a lot of other projects. Like they were going to revamp ambulances, ambulance services. They were going to consolidate um, public health uh, units. And, you know, they were going to change the, like the budgets, you know, to make sure that municipal and provincial fiscal years lined up it's just they, they've done all this stuff just to like throw spaghetti at the wall and i mean it, it, it i'm i'm a little i'm a little infuriated i can't imagine what it must be like you know down at our city hall or any city hall in oh, ontario yeah. you know that you're going along doing work and then they rewrite the rules and announce it on like friday afternoon and then you do all the changes and six months later balk lynch comes out hey Hey, you know, call one eight hundred Jagmeet and we'll fix it. I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's hundreds of hours down the drain. Oh, hundreds and they were of hours. Gonna yeah. fix, they were going to fix hallway medicine too. What happened there? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's just one twenty four. Yeah, Bill one twenty four. We'll and get if, people in. We'll get people in to take care of it. We'll just hire some contractors <laughs> that they'll fix it. Hasn't happened. And maybe to like wrap up too. Like the, the one of the big things that was sort of missed. Um, as, as all this was going on, Doug Downey announces, I think it was on Tuesday, that they're going to take the federal government to court because of that Supreme Court decision a couple of weeks ago about the environmental assessments um, that the 
Supreme Court found much of that law unconstitutional. So now uh, Ontario is going to take the federal government to court because they don't like how the federal government has come in to, you know, Highway 413 and Ontario Place and Ring of Fire and, and these projects. So now we're, you know, now we're taking the feds to court again. I, I don't know if that means like the the bromance, uh, the Trudeau Ford bromance is over. Well, the, this but, don't blame us. Blame the feds thing, which is trending in more than one province, is getting pretty tiresome. A little. Yeah, a little bit. So, yeah. All right. Well, uh, we'll have to call it there. Uh, we'll have to come back to Queen Park uh, scandals next week because uh, there will surely be more. I don't know if they have week. Do they <laughs> regular, have next week regular off? topic? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now to our regular segment, Queen Park scandals. Um, we're going to get to our regular segment of our mid-show musical break coming up next. You are listening to Open Source Guelph. You're on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. He stands for the good in the roughest neighborhood. He's no stranger. Right. He's treated with respect. His friends let him know that there is danger. He's a complicated man, and no one understands him but his woman. Shaft. Shaft is the man. John Shaft. Shaft. Shaft is the man. It's been a little while since we cheesed it up a bit. <laughs> that song was in honor of Richard Browntree. Mm-hmm. Well-known actor who played, among other roles, John Shaft. Mm-hmm. Died at 81 years old this past week. He will be missed. And if you didn't know that voice, that was the late, the great Sammy Davis Jr. with his take on the theme from the movie Shaft called John Shaft. Mm-hmm. Lots of firsts there. First black action hero in mainstream cinema. First black director of renown, Gordon Parks. Significant stuff, even though... That is probably one of the cheesiest songs to come out of the seventies. Next to I don't know the Candyman, which was also Sammy. He had yeah. his thing. He had his. Yeah, it, it, it's. Um, I mean, it was also the beginning of black exploitation. There was a lot of uh, people who were attaching themselves to Shaft. Um, a lot of. I mean, it, it was. You know, a lot of black actors sort of took on starring roles after that and uh yeah it, it was a it was a real resurgence and then unfortunately kind of died out at the end of the 70s um and not to come back till sort of the beginning of the 90s these things and sort of this is getting into end credits territory i was but, gonna say know. end credits overlap 100 <laughs> you know these things sort of come in waves um but it's also a good reminder that uh we have uh we'll be having our annual movie show coming up at the end of the year i'm just looking at my list here it's in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight more episodes. Mm. So there you go. I, I pick Shaft in Africa for this. <laughs> <laughs> the forgettable sequel to Shaft. Yeah. Well, one of them. Yeah. Um, so there are also a couple of forgettable remakes, but uh, we'll digress. Um, we're going to move over to Saskatchewan where uh, Premier Hank Hill, I mean, Scott Moe. Um, <laughs> Uh, Bobby, watch those pronouns. Yeah, (laughs) Bobby, you go by he him pronouns. I'm not a hint about it. Um, what were we talking about? Pronouns. Fully accurate. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
the Saskatchewan government, led by Scamo, used the notwithstanding clause of the Constitution to pass Bill 137, which is essentially them repassing an earlier bill that says that kids under 16 cannot use uh, a different name or different pronouns other than the ones that they were born with uh, without parental permission. Uh, this is being largely seen as an attack on uh, queer youths and transgender youths. Um, also in keeping with a lot of stuff that's happening all around Canada and uh, and in the United States, not coincidentally, there was also a, a second helping of the One Million Mark for Children this past weekend. Uh, both Scotty and I attended the Guelph iteration of that and were uh, summarily unimpressed with the, the size of the crowd at this one. But, uh, I mean, it's this seems to be a growing trend. Just to get to the politics of this, it seems to be a growing trend of like using the notwithstanding clause of the Constitution to pass you know, essentially nonsense or to, you know, make political points. You know, we've certainly done that here in Ontario. And um, now Scott Moe has done it in Saskatchewan, too. You were talking about the long debate over Sarah Gemma. This had a 40, mm. this was a 40 hour emergency debate. over yep. this. Yep. It's an emergency. Yep. And yep. Scott Hank Hill Moe, I don't think that's fair to Hank Hill, actually, but it does look like him. <laughs> uh he said it's not about targeting anyone. It's about building supports. Mm -hmm. You know, like talk about high order double speak, right? Yeah. Also include this legislation, which was described as odd by the NDP. They have to fly the Saskatchewan flag at every school. <laughs> so you say to yourself with that amendment, what on earth does that even have to do with the rest of it? It has nothing to do with the rest of it. Mm -hmm. Scott Moe spent too much time in his basement watching Jordan Peterson videos or whatever the heck passes for work now. Right. <laughs> I mean, the, the, yeah, I, I guess it probably shouldn't <laughs> disparage Scott Moe too much, but he's earned it. Right. And it's, and it's not just him. It's like you say, it's, it's trending, right. Mm -hmm. It's obviously like to please the larger convoy base that's out there in Saskatchewan that than the four people we have. Oh no, it was more than that, that we saw on the weekend. Yeah. Some, something like 20. Right. Yeah. You're going to drop everything for a week. You're going to you're going to do all of this. Just to please those people. By going after a super small minority. Well, I, I think that's it. It's like, who exactly is this for? Because, I mean, you're 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 bludgeoning well, it's for the one. parents. It's for the parents. Right. Well, that's what oh, they the say. Kids. But you're you're bludgeoning one minority to suit another i mean at the end of the day uh, you know i looked up the census data uh canada in in 2021 when we last did the census one of the first times we've you know gone to the trouble of counting people who identify as trans or, or non-binary i think it was something like 0.3 percent of the population across the country like that's who we're kind of throwing under the bus here and i i, I think it's it's a, it's it's a big question to me about who exactly like again affordability housing crime um health care mental health addictions education pronouns um you know one of these things is not like the other and um cbc talked to um a one grade 10 student in saskatchewan whose name is ren um they're a trans youth and you know they're one of the lucky ones because they have understanding parents at home 
who have accepted them and embraced them. And but I mean, that wasn't a certainty for Ren. Um, not that Ren was necessarily concerned about their parents, but that um, they were concerned about how the extended family might react. So Ren, you know, going to school, you know, having a safe space at school would, you know, come out to friends, come out to teachers. Um, and then go, you know, and then when they were comfortable with that, uh, went home to the parents and Ren's dad, uh, said that he felt, uh, disappointed, um, when he found out that Ren had come out to others and, and not to his parents first, but, uh, his dad wisely said, you know, it's not about me. It was about what Ren needed and what Ren needed was kind of like a safe space to take certain ideas for a test drive uh so to speak and and that's what kind of school was uh i mean that that's where your peers are and i think there's something very dangerous because now you're encouraging the kid to hide things mm-hmm. instead of trying to create an open environment and then you know what's the other thing is like what is the logistics of this like if i'm a teacher and I'm like, I don't know, in like study hall or, or, you know, a lot doing lunch supervisor. And I overhear Brian refer to Steven as Steph. Like, am I supposed to report that? Am I supposed to report that to the principal? Am I supposed to get on the phone with Steve and say, Hey, your son is going by Steph, which is a girl's name. I mean, and again, who is this serving? You know, and and who is who are you protecting? Why are you doing this? And it just it, it comes back to me. Just this is kind of like just. I mean, virtue signaling can be terrible in its own way, but I was going to say the terrible version of virtue signaling. And who are you virtue signaling to? As you said, Jordan Peterson or like Christopher Rufo, who's like the nutcase in the United States who made CRT the most dangerous thing not taught in schools. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it just seems nuts to me and you know to i'll, I'll shop in a sec but to <laughs> to to give people like an idea of like where this is going nbc produces like really great podcast series it's six parts so it goes down easy called grapevine which is about a, a debate very much like this in a school district in texas and about how it's like forcing teachers who are allies to like quit public schools and go into like private school teaching and how it you know the 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 public administration there didn't have the teachers back and how you know one trans kid's mom you know was using her trans child as like a cudgel and talking about Mm. um all the dangers that have been inflicted on their trans child meanwhile the trans child is just looking for understanding i think they were also named ren um from from their mom and you know now ren lives in oregon with their father and the mother can't contact Ren. Like it, uh, Ren has to decide one day if they want a relationship with their mother. So it, yeah. you know, it, it's all. All this is going to do is hurt people, and that's what Scott Moe this week. He called the legislature back for a forty-hour emergency debate mm-hmm. about how best to hurt people, and and use the notwithstanding clause. Use the notwithstanding. Thank you. Not use the notwithstanding clause. And it's not. It's not designed for this. Mm-hmm. Like this. This is a, a waste of that legislation mm-hmm. if, if it's possible to wait to waste it it's like you're, you're gonna use it for this. this is we've seen it in in quebec with religious symbols right mm-hmm. 
the, the slashing of Toronto City Council used the notwithstanding clause. Mm-hmm. Not what it was designed for. Because it's there, it's all N124. Like, what's that? And well, 124. Bill yeah, exactly. Right. So it's it's just being it's 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 try. I was like, well, we'll just use this. Mm-hmm. A Trudeau designed mechanism, by the way. But Trudeau, anyway, Trudeau Senior. Trudeau Senior. Yeah. Th- sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Trudeau Senior. No, they're both one and the same, right? No, but anyway. <laughs> but this is the thing. They they said we we heard we heard from parents. We heard from tens of thousands of individuals. Mm-hmm. That is, that is a direct quote, right? Mm-hmm. There's no evidence of meaningful consultations on this at all. Quite the opposite. Yeah, it's just well, we got we got some emails from some people. Jordan yeah. Peterson tweeted ten things, so we based the legislation on that. So it's not tens of thousands; it's more like ten. It's more like the twenty people with the flags in Royal City Park. That's mm-hmm. who. That's who is driving this. It's it's more in Saskatchewan, right? Mm-hmm. Or Saskatchewan, not to judge everybody, but you know there there's a large a larger contingent, let's say, right? Yeah. The, who resigned? It was the uh, human rights commissioner. That's right. Resigned over this because her teen son is transgender, and she said this is an attack on trans, non-binary, and gender diverse children, and not having it. So mm-hmm. she, she said, "I'm I'm done." Yeah. Over this. And there will be lot, lots of stories like that, right? But that's what you were saying about the numbers, the 0.33%. That number is probably larger, but because there are a ton of people that have not come out yet. Sure. For reasons. Yeah. And there are lots of people whose parents don't understand. I mean, we know parents don't understand a lot of things. <laughs> you can think back to those days when you were younger. Not necessarily on this level, but that's what it's like for a lot of folk. They just cannot do it. So who do you talk to? Yeah. Where are you every day when you're that age? You're at yeah. school. That's right. But yeah, yeah, there was the bit about the naming too. Like the you have to call students by their proper name. Like has no one ever had a nickname? Not to yeah. diminish what's going on, but it's like people are called by different things all of the time. Yeah. Some of that, you know, let's you could put down to let's say bullying of course right which is yeah. one example but yeah. the other example is if you have a, a friendly nickname for somebody yeah or they want to go by everybody everybody knows somebody who's done that right i went to middle so that, school this to... is what they're worried about it's not the fact <laughs> that you're trans it's the the name you you have to call them this the pronoun it's just like what are you doing so that this, yeah. this just speaks to what the quality of the legislation that's going to come out of saskatchewan until well who knows for how long because it'll probably be the government for a while but yeah, I went to high. I went to middle school with a kid named Andrew Craig. Everyone called him Comey, even the teachers. Comey, there you go. Comey, because I mean, he he had permanent hat head. Um, <laughs> Man, if I anybody went, thinks my name is Hertz, like you know, do <laughs> do your research, do right? Your research. Uh, yeah, and the other thing too is like it went from this is the other thing about the notwithstanding clause. It went from zero to notwithstanding clause because they passed this legislation about parental rights, and then you are pride. Um, which is a, a human rights group in Saskatchewan um, decide to take the legislation to court. And then a judge says like, yeah, you know what? We should definitely, you know, look at this as violating human rights. And Mo was like, that's it. Notwithstanding time. This is, st- and it's still going on in the court. There was like a hearing on Monday, I think about the original legislation and the judge has to say like, well, do we proceed now? Is it moot because they've <laughs> overridden with the notwithstanding. So, you know, it, the process had just begun 
And Mo was like, that's it. Like, you're not going to tell me what's not constitutional. So I'm going to use this nuclear option in the constitution to make it constitutional. And now you can't do anything. Nani, nani, boo, boo. Um, it, it just, it, it's, it just leaves such a bad taste. I mean, regardless of what you feel about this, uh, about the legislation itself, just like the idea of like using it to flip the bird at somebody who's taking you to court, which is essentially, it's essentially like a, it, it, it's a legislative dick move is what I'm trying to get at. And mm-hmm. if if that's like the level of play you were expecting from your legislature, I, I think we need to grow up. Well, and people know that Mo is short for moron, right? So maybe that's <laughs> oh, oh. his nickname. The opinions expressed on open in my, <laughs> in my view, <laughs> in my world, Mo is short for moron. <gasps> if only when you cross into the Saskatchewan border. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, before we wrap up today, we, we were talking about this offline, uh, about this uh, article I was in Guelph today a couple of weeks ago, where um, I, I think it was Hannah who was talking to um, somebody from 338, because they're constantly like measuring the polls at 338. And it looked like, for a brief moment there, 52% of people in Guelph would be in favor of voting for a conservative candidate to be our new MP our new representative at the House of Commons. Now, this is interesting because we know that Guelph, uh, our our boundaries have changed in going into the next election. Um, the southern part of Guelph, south of Arkell, is going to be part of a new Wellington-Halton Hills west riding, uh, along with much of the current Wellington-Halton Hills riding. So there, there's going to be like a new makeup to Guelph. Uh, we know it's going to be an open seat because Long- Lloyd Longfield announced that he will not be seeking re-election at the end of this term. Um, he announced that earlier this year. And it has been 35 years since a conservative candidate won an election race in Guelph at the federal level. And who was that, Scotty? Oh, Bill Weingart? Yes, correct. Bill Weingart. Yeah. I was, yeah. Put me so, on the spot there, but yeah, Bill Weingart. <laughs> um so it's interesting this is an interesting thought exercise what would it take and i'll open up to scotty first for his analysis but what would it take do you think aside just from like the bare knuckle like opinion polls for a conservative candidate to win guelph well it would take a bill weingard level person to win Mm -hmm. and this this is what people always underestimate with guelph and i'll stick to this forever Mm-hmm. Is that this writing is dependent on who the candidate is, proven mm-hmm. time and again who it is. If Polyev was the candidate in Guelph, he wouldn't win. He would have no chance here at all. There's no comparison between him and Bill Weingart. They're to- it's a totally different level of person. And my favorite part, and the article is by Taylor Pace, by the way. That's right. The part of it said that, you know, Pierre Polyev doesn't want to come across as an intellectual. You know why? Because he's not an intellectual. He's not at that level. And I, you know, I'm I'd be one of the first people to argue that you know intellectuals need to watch as as we've seen you know with the liberals at certain points in time where it's like depending on who you're putting in the chair mm-hmm. might not be the best move. But to to use that phrase, like you know, we know Doug Ford isn't an intellectual, right? But that's not why that's not why he won. Mm-hmm. But that's you know. It, it's kind of like they're trying to say, well, it's a university town, so they're going to get somebody intelligent. And that's happened in the past. Well, Bill Weingart was the president of U of G. <laughs> that's right. But he also had a very long <gasps> resume and credentials and, and, and. 
right? Long, so that, yeah, long history of service. Yeah, yeah that that is that is the difference. It's caliber, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that. I, that's not factored into three three eight. Now, and you know, respect for three three eight. We 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 like them. Their ads are pretty hilarious. Actually, I don't know if you saw Adam. It was like, <laughs> I got one. It was like for what farting tells you about your health. So if you were just looking at this website randomly, you'd say, "Is this thing serious?" <gasps> and it mm-hmm. is. But at mm-hmm. the same time, I'm like, what the heck? Anyway, ads are ads online. We can't do too much about that. But yeah, that, I mean that that's the key factor. Liberals are a tired brand currently. Mm. NDP propping them up well, isn't going to help their prospects. Mm. So, I mean, in 338 in the grand scheme of Canada, things are going to go blue. It's just a question of how blue. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that's going to include Guelph necessarily. Yeah, I was crunching the numbers today. Um, the only time, like the only time that the Conservatives have gotten close in 30 years is in 2008 and that was um that was the another election where harper won a minority government there were a couple of factors in that and, uh, uh gloria kovac who was the candidate at the time at the t- and at that time she was still a city councilor and still pretty well liked um she was seen as kind of like a, a healthy centrist um 17,186 votes versus 18,974 for Frank Valera. That was his first election. And again, that was like an open seat. Brenda Chamberlain had like stepped down in the middle of the term. So it had started as a by-election. Uh, t- there was like campaigning oh, yeah. all, all summer yeah. if people r- were around and remember. Um, so, you know, that was also very competitive uh, for, for the Greens as well. Um, that was uh, Mike Nagy's second run as the Green Party. And there was a lot of momentum. It was when Elizabeth May was first elected as leader. And so she had a lot of uh, favorability. Um, so it was kind of like a three-way race at the end of it. But it was like about 1,000, 1,500 votes between Frank and Gloria. Um, but that it had, that's as close as it got. And you, know, you can point to the fact that you know in 1993, 96, 2000, the, the conservative vote was split two ways. Mm-hmm. Um, with the alliance or reform and the the PCs, which still existed, um, and actually in 1993, if there had been a United Conservative vote, they would ha- they would have vote, uh, won. If you it had been one candidate, uh, and you could have find the two party votes, it would have, they would have beaten Brenda Chamberlain in 93. So that's interesting. In that change election, um, the Liberal might have lost here in Guelph, but otherwise, just looking at the numbers, um. You know, 16,800 16, in 2021, 14,500 in 2019, 18,400 in 2015, 19,000. What you do when you go down the list is they've never broken 20,000. And then I looked at uh, the liberal victories, uh, 2021, 29,300, 2019, 30,500, 2015, 34,300. 2011, mm-hmm. 25,500. Uh, 1997, or no, I went too far. 2006, 23,000. So this is the difference. There's a, for, for the conservative to win, there has to be about a 6,000 vote switch between the liberals and the conservatives. And that, and, and that's like the big question is like, where would those votes come from? I know that a lot of people are looking at the fact that south guelph was cut off and i think a lot of people have the mistaken impression that that's like a heavily conservative area i'm not 100 percent sure of that but 
um, are there kind of like 6,000 people, 6,000 voters in Guelph who like might be center-ish and who would, under the right circumstances, vote for a lawyer like Frank Valeria, long-serving lawyer, community activist like Frank Valeria, or Lloyd Longfield, small businessman, Chamber of mm-hmm. Commerce president. Would those people go to a conservative candidate if it was the right and it, again as you said that depends on the right kind of candidate and in which case what would that be who would it be you know well, that's it one in the polyvir mode or someone in the you know bill weingard mode that that election that you mentioned the top four candidates were all known knowns in town and top and mm-hmm. top drawer right mm-hmm. gloria mm-hmm. frank mike Nagy, and tom king yeah so where would where will the votes come from? It'll be disgruntled liberals who are not like hardcore liberal. Mm-hmm. Some of it will be the erosion of the NDP and the green vote, which is bound to happen due mm-hmm. to again people being disgruntled. Mm-hmm. But also, and I have said this before, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> if somebody like, for example, you know, you said Gloria Kovach was on city council. If Cam Guthrie runs for the seat, mm-hmm. wealth will go blue. Mm-hmm. And you can come back in the archive and listen to me saying that if it does happen, <laughs> because that that is how that's how Guelph goes conservative. Mm-hmm. I can't think of anybody else. Now, mind you, to be fair mm-hmm. and not to be unfair to Cam, he's not a Bill Weingart. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, it might not be the most fair comparison, but mm-hmm. that is who would win this town. So what they need to do all of the parties need to do is up their game on the candidacies because that's how this town works Mm -hmm. and get that person in. And then that person will win. But yeah, as you're saying, it will take, you know, the, the liberal erosion will need to come from somewhere. And we're, we're hearing that we're feeling that. And that's why polls like this, however they did it, um, (laughs) is how they get that that information. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, if it's landlines, of course it's, (laughs) yeah. Not to slam the landline. I love them, but yeah, no, it's it's interesting to think about what what would it take? Because um, I mean, like thirty years is a long streak, and again, it's not you know not to impugn Frank or or Lloyd or Brenda, um, they were all great representatives, but you know, you have to wonder like what would it take to sort of break the the red fever, as it were? Um, would it take? And you know, I think. Cam gets brandied about a lot because I think people feel like he's ambitious and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but um, he has that thing, whatever that thing is, where I, I don't think people really think about their politics when they think about Cam. They think about the dad jokes. They think about, you know, the advocacy. They think about him taking selfies at different Guelph places. Just his, just his like presence. He, he has a, He has a real presence and it's not necessarily about like what he's done it just it feels like he's there all the time um whether it's in person you see him wandering around downtown or you know (laughs) coming to your garage sale or or whatever it is it just yeah it it would be it would take a personality at that level i i'm not sure who it would be because i'm uh, honestly not 100 percent sure cam would want the job either no but as you say like that's an he's an established brand now yeah yeah he went from just a he went from just a counselor to like a known known yeah, and in some he's he's known nationwide as well, right? Oh, I would I would people say know yes. the mayor of Guelph, right? They just they just yes. do. Uh, you know, he's done like CP twenty four power and politics, and yeah. You know, so yeah, he, he he's he's got whatever it is, he's got it. But uh, 
we've got to get out of here because it's uh that time uh so if you cut any of that cam it's you know <laughs> it'd be your time son <laughs> <laughs> i hope he's not taking political advice from us um if <laughs> that's it for this week's show we hope you like it you can listen to our show again by downloading it every monday from our website at opensourcesguelph.com from the guelph politicast channel on podbean or from your favorite app like apple google TuneIn, and spotify you can also find us on social media we're on facebook at open sources newswire and twitter at os underscore guelph I'll be back here on CFRU Wednesday at 3 p.m. for my movie review show called End Credits. And you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Dalton or my news and politics site at GuelphPolitico.ca. And I'm Scotty Hertz on Facebook, Twitter X, and Blue Sky. And if you're joining us at our regular time on a Thursday at 5, please stay tuned at 6 o'clock for Turtle Island Underground. Yes, indeed. That's one of the many great programs that you'll hear on this channel, CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community community Radio. As for this show, we will return next Thursday at 5 p.m. for another edition of Open Sources, and we will see you then.